What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast, brought to you today by betonline.ag and Untuck It. So John and I um, will be back for our normal Thursday evening, Friday morning show, but I wanted to bring on somebody else to talk about uh, UFC and uh, New Japan. Uh, his name is Mike Gilbert. And I met Mike just through social channels because we are both uh, wrestling fans and 49er fans. Uh, and uh, Mike and I are going to do the show tonight. You know, when, whenever I can't record with John, I, I really like recording with people who are content creators. And Mike is someone who is into creating content. I know Mike's had a podcast in, in, in the past and he's, uh, he's got his uh, Combat Republic stuff going on. So bring it on, Mike. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going, Garrett? Uh, pretty good. So let's let's actually dig into before we get to the UFC stuff uh, because you know there, there's lots of you know in, interesting. I, I'm interested in your thoughts on the fight, but um, give me your background, like as a, as a combat sports fan, as a wrestling fan, uh, as someone who's interested in, in writing about this stuff. I know I know you're uh, you're dialing it up with uh, with Fight TV and and and. And doing stuff with them, so just give me your whole background, and and I think it's pretty interesting to uh, to kind of go through that with with someone who we're bringing on brand new. Yeah, cool. Well, first of all, thanks for the opportunity and letting me uh, come on here and chop it up with you. Um, so basically, I've, I've been a pro wrestling fan my entire life. I, I was just talking yesterday to, to somebody on Twitter. They when they Fight TV sent out a a tweet saying, "How long have you been a wrestling fan?" and I. I calculated it. I became a wrestling fan in like 1987 when I was like four years old. That is my first memory. <laughs> and it was, it was when Hulk body slammed Andre. My, uh, my entire hillbilly family was at my grandma's and we all watched it there. There was like 30 of us. And that was one of my earliest childhood memories. And I was kind of hooked my entire life. And I, you know, and I, I've been, been a huge wrestling fan. It's kind of come up and down and in waves. And, I, I would say in my 20s uh, that mixed martial arts started to take precedence. Um, I, when I got stationed in, so I'm in the Air Force, by the way. I, I've been active duty for 16 years. And I got, I got stationed in Japan and uh, in 2005. And when I was there, I started to really get into to pride fighting championships and, and K1 and things like that and, and watching it there locally. And then when I left Yokota Air Base in Japan, I, I got stationed in uh, Vegas at uh, Nellis Air Force Base. And there, little known fact, when you get stationed there, uh, the UFC, if they don't sell out uh, their events, they would just push free tickets to the base. Oh, wow. So I was always, yeah, so I was always waiting, like, till the Friday before any major UFC card and, like, sending those emails out to my uh, superiors and my first sergeant. Uh, to like, hey, I'm your I'm your resident UFC guy. Let me, uh, <laughs> let me, get, let me get those tickets, and so I, I got to see a, a bunch of UFCs uh, there for free um, in, in Vegas while I was stationed there. And then one, once I left Vegas, for whatever reason, I, I really started to switch back into really getting into into pro wrestling, and I, I became obsessed with it. Um, and then whenever I got stationed in, in the Bay Area at uh, Travis Air Force Base there in Fairfield, California, um, I, I started to kind of go through a, a transition in my life. I, uh, you know, I, I was getting a little older. I'm in my 30s now, and I, I, I started to remember what it was like to, uh, as a kid and how pro wrestling was such a big part of who I was. And I started not to care 
that uh, that maybe some of my peers thought I was a child for watching it, so I was no longer embarrassed by it, and uh, I was just kind of out with it, and I started wearing wrestling t-shirts again, and uh, and it was just, it, 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 I really, really started to fall back in love with it, and, um, you know, I, I went to WrestleMania that was in uh, Santa Clara, uh-huh. um, and um, that whole weekend was just a big weekend for me as a wrestling fan. And I, uh, w- while I was there, I got to see JR's uh, one-man show. And uh, I went to the, the WrestleMania event the next day. And w- while I was there, I, I really started to think about, hey, you know, I could, I, I have a lot of ideas. I'm a creative guy. I, I would like to start a podcast. And my, my cousin and I, we started to kick around the idea, kind of going back and forth. And then I got deployed to Afghanistan, and while I was in Afghanistan, this was in uh, 2016, I I started to lay the groundwork of like, hey, you know, here here's what I need to do. This is what how I could do it. Here's some of the ideas that I have. And while I was out there, I actually got a chance to to meet a lot of the wrestlers. Uh, Vince McMahon showed up, and oh, the big wow. show, and our truth, and they all came out and they hung out with us a little bit. And, uh, we got our pictures taken with them and stuff like that. Uh, they they came to our hospital and spent uh, spent quite a bit of time. Oddly enough, like two weeks later, um, Shayna Baszler and Jessamyn Duke came there as MMA fighters on a USO tour, and I got to <laughs> I got to hang out with them for like an hour. And and all we did was talk pro wrestling this was before <laughs> they were pro wrestlers. So that was that that was kind of kind of a fun story there. Um, but anyway, so to make a long story more boring, I, uh, I, I started my podcast and, and here was uh, my idea. And I, I, I literally thought that nobody else had this idea. Um, it was going to be myself and my cousin. We would try to interview somebody and then we would basically read news from the observer. Like everybody else. <laughs> and, uh, and, and as it turns out, every other podcast was already doing that. And ours was not that interesting and nobody was listening. <laughs> and so we, you know, we got we got a little discouraged, and uh, we we decided to to kind of discontinue the podcast. And I had a uh, it was called the Podcast Express, and I thought that was a really cool name, kind of a play on uh, you know the Rock and Roll Express and the uh-huh. Midnight Express. And uh, we did do some interviews. We, you know, we had uh, our first interview was Conrad Thompson. He was just start uh, starting to get big, and we had the the progressive liberal Daniel Richards. He, he just done a. A documentary with Vice News, and uh, so we interviewed him, and you know, you know, a couple other guys, uh, Vinny Massaro from the from All Pro Wrestling. Oh yeah, um, and and but you know, I, I you know Conrad Thompson was probably the more famous guy, and I think we had like eighty six people listen, and and so I was like, okay, this is becoming a lot of work. It's not fun anymore, and we discontinued it, and then right after I did, I moved down here to a Vandenberg Air Force Base, and my wife got pregnant with our first child and, and I started to kind of like, okay, I, I started to kind of leave the wrestling thing, you know, behind and, and I wasn't able to consume as much of the product as I, uh, as I used to. And, um, but I started to get that itch again. I would say, uh, about a couple months ago, I reactivated the podcast, uh, the podcast Twitter account. I changed the name. I redesigned the whole thing. I started blogging again. I, uh, I had, had some ideas and, um, the dragon King Carl from the wrestling observer, started to do some research about uh, Sergeant Slaughter and whether or not he was actually a vet. And uh, so I, I kind of grabbed hold of that, and I I saw what he wrote, and then I know the SoCal Uncensored did a couple of reports on it. And so I, I kind of had my own take on it. I thought that I would I could provide some insights uh, as a veteran on that. And, and uh, so I wrote that blog, and then I started writing about some of the impact shows I had been watching and and, and, and different things like that. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. And uh you know, Fight TV took notice. They've asked me to hold some contests for them, so I've been able to hook up 
uh, some folks on Twitter with some free pay-per-views, and uh, and and it's just been a lot of fun. And then you know I, I'm here talking to you, so that's that's <laughs> the, the part the most awesome of all. No, that no, I I really appreciate you being available. Um, so. Give people uh, the the Twitter handle, the website, and all the stuff where they can find you. Well, they, they can find me on Twitter at Combat Republic. Um, that is my new Twitter handle. I, I have a personal one. I honestly don't care if anybody follows it because I don't really say anything interesting there anyway. <laughs> I, I, I whine about the 49ers, and that's really about it. So You I'm and me Combat both, man. Republic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've been in mourning all week, and this has kind of been the 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 funnest thing I've had to do since uh, all week. So I appreciate you getting me out of my stupor. But um, no, it's at Combat Republic. The the link there is in my headline. And anytime I I do write something, um, if if there is an interesting thing that I think that I could provide some insight on, I'll I'll write about it, and then I'll I'll, I'll shoot it out on on that on my at Combat Republic Twitter feed. So uh, I just recorded, I don't know, felt like about 45 minutes with um, uh, Antonio, the Promise Thomas, or I actually, uh, what I'm trying to, he goes as Retro Grappler now, um, but he has a podcast on uh, on F4W Online, and it's mostly sports, like there's, you know, there's sometimes there's wrestling stuff, but there's a lot of sports, so he wanted me on, because he's a 49er fan as well, so we kind of let out our sorrows, and we talked about Jimmy G, and Kyle Shanahan and all those guys. So th- I think that podcast will probably be up later in the week. Uh, but I'll, I'll tweet it out when it goes out. But yeah, he he he's uh, he and I get to chit chat about that stuff. Uh, he had me on in the beginning of the season, and he reminded me that we both said if all things went perfect, they could go ten and six and make the playoffs. So whatever happened went better than perfect. Yet we're still sad that they lost the Super Bowl. Um, okay, so let's move on to. Um, to the UFC stuff that that happened last night, I actually I texted our buddy uh, Paul Fontaine about I don't know it was about an hour before the UFC show started, and I said if John Jones loses, we need to do like an emergency sh- an, an emergency show, and I was I was like in that fight I was like oh Paul and I are gonna have to do a show, and. Obviously, John Jones gets the decision there late. I, I pretty much figured out that he was going to get the decision. I didn't think Ray was going to get the decision, even though I did have him uh, ahead. But um, we didn't do a show last night. But I thought, you know, there's still good information, which is why I wanted to have someone on today to do it. So that, and then John and I don't really have to talk about it too much on, on Thursday, and we can focus on other stuff. But um, we're actually going to do the. Um, the uh, use this opportunity for the betonline.ag fight of the night. So we'll, let's talk about Jones and Reyes. To me, it was the fight of the night. Uh, betonline.ag is your online sportsbook expert. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all in one word, for a 50% welcome bonus. So you watched the fight last night as well. How did you score it? Well, I, I, like a lot of other people, I had Dominic Reyes winning the first three rounds. I, I know that some people said that the third round was close and some people said that the second round was close. I honestly didn't think that they were that close. I thought that he dominated all the striking exchanges in and, and all three of those rounds. I, I know that Jones did secure a takedown. I want to say it was in round three, but he absolutely did nothing with that takedown. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I know that people like to give credit to those that, that do add pressure, right, that are pressuring the fight, and they keep the fight going, and he's constantly moving forward. But when he was doing that, he was eating shots the entire time and not really landing any quality shots on Reyes. And, and I, I didn't even think – I thought it was clear that, that he won the first three rounds. The rounds four and five, very clear that uh, Reyes got gassed out after the early takedowns in round four. And he really, other than some haymakers and some kind of desperation shots, you could tell that he was winded and he was gassed. And I just didn't think that he had anything for Jones in rounds four and five. Um, but if you're if you're scoring it like the way that you should score it, I, I thought Dominic Reyes won three to two, and and a lot of other people did. And I know I tweeted out before the decision was uh, was announced, like I I got Dominic Reyes winning three to two. But Jones is going to take the decision, and I know that you had a similar assessment, and a lot of my other friends did too. Like we all kind of saw this coming, which is kind of weird and sad. Honestly. <laughs> it's like, like, hey, we all know that he won, but we, but we also know that he's going to lose in spite of that. That that is the weird thing about, and it's this is not a new thing. That's always kind of been the the thing in combat sports, you know. Yeah, so I, I mean, I very much agree with you. I had him winning a three to two. Here's the thing about the way that this fight was scored, or just scoring in general. You know, I, I'm also a big boxing fan, and a lot of boxers, uh, you know, I think the most famous version of this story is Sugar Ray Leonard beating Marvin Hagler. And Leonard's mm-hmm. goal was to win say the last 30 seconds or the last minute of the round because to the judges whatever just happened is probably more at the front of their thought process and that's a lot of what I saw in this fight I had it scored the exact same way as you did 3-2 for Reyes him winning the first three rounds but if you look at it from the perspective of Reyes came out in every round really hard And then he got tired because he was moving so much. And in a couple of those rounds that Reyes won, Jones ended up at the end of that round doing much better than he was in the beginning. And, and, you know, some of which because of, of Reyes got tired. But by the fourth, by the middle of the fourth round, I... I was like, okay, Jones has him absolutely figured out. He's going to win these last two rounds, and it's all going to be about how the first three rounds were scored. And so, you know, four, three to two either way, I think it's a fine score. I, whether or not the rounds two and three, how close they were or, or, or whatever, I, I think three two either way is a, is a good score. Um, four one. Uh, for Jones, probably not a good score. That's uh, ridiculous. But um, but I could see a judge being mesmerized at watching Jones come back from taking some punishment and ultimately being uh, ahead at the end of the round. I think it's I think it's sort of human to to get caught up in that way. Though these are professionals who should be uh, you know who should be beyond that. But uh, you know we both we both see it the same way. Now the, the 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 next question is, I'm not exactly sure who Jones could fight uh, next. But um, would you want to see them do it again? And do you think Reyes, uh, you know, Reyes could learn a few things and and make it an even better fight the next time? 
You know, I, I would like to see it again. I don't know that I want to see it right away. I, I think that Dominic Reyes is a star in the making. I think that he's the exact type of guy that the UFC needs. Um, he, you know, he's a, he's a young guy. He's a Mexican-American. He has a flashy style. He's tough as nails. And he's he's always had an exciting fight. I, I think they're going to give him an, another fight in between. Um, I, I just see them doing it that way. I know that whenever the John Jones and uh, Gustafson they had their epic war uh, years ago, everybody was kind of clamoring for a, an instant rematch, and maybe we should have gotten that. But if they do it right away, I, I, I think I could see it more of the same. I think that Reyes needs a little bit more time. I'd say give him a year, and then he'd be ready to, to take on Jones again, and we might see a different fight. I, I think that he'd be a more mature fighter by then. And he probably would not gas out as quickly as he did in this fight. So if you look at the lightweight contenders, um, he's beaten all of them. Uh, but, Everybody. you know, there, there's Corey Anderson, who, who's ranked number five. As you go down, there's uh, Ozdemir, who's number seven. Uh, and, and so my, the way that I look at this is, I think Daniel Cormier is going to fight Stipe Miocic. Um Fairly soon, I know that you know there's there's been injuries and and you know Cormier is uh, they thought he's going to retire and and he wants this fight. If I'm John, I wait to see what happens in that fight. Now, if Cormier wins, would he want to fight John Jones again, or does he end his career as the heavyweight champion one more time? I, I'm not exactly sure, and and depending on how much money they could possibly that, give him for that fight that would also that, probably change the, the conversation right that you know that, that's absolutely the key should he fight john jones again i, I don't think so I, I don't think that it would have to go anywhere go any differently than it did the last time um so i, I think that he fights stipe and then uh, he, sh- he could probably call it a day or stay at stay at heavyweight unless unless jones is willing to come up to heavyweight and fight Daniel at heavyweight again. Well, well that's what I mean. That, that's what I mean. If yeah. Daniel's a heavyweight champion, oh. then you have, oh, okay. then you have, then you have John's right. moving up to, to beat Daniel at heavyweight, which may be a little bit more attractive for Daniel, considering that you know there are other fights where at light heavyweight. And similarly, if Stipe beats Daniel, does John look at that and go, okay, that's the next fight? Because you know, if he fights Corey Anderson, great. You know, but I don't think anybody would think Anderson has a shot. The reason why Reyes was interesting is because of how how uh, he made Weidman look. You know, when when Weidman was looking at challenging Jones, so I, I really don't know what else they could do at light heavyweight. And if I was John, I would just wait to see what happens and and try to move uh, move there. It may be the right time because you know the one thing about uh, last night is that Reyes is. A lot faster, I think, uh, the, than than people uh, gave him credit for, and he made John look slow at some time at some point. So, you know, if, if you're John and you go, okay, maybe you know I'm getting a little older, I can put a little muscle on here, and I could still be quicker than most of these heavyweights, and that may be that may be the game plan from here on out because the the, the that was probably uh, you know that 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 was that was a good a good person for him to, to face to go like, okay, these young guys are actually, you know, just as, just as quick as I am. And maybe if I lost a step, maybe better to go up to heavyweight and, and, uh, and, 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 you know, that, that's, that's, uh, um, that would be 
a huge money division with with John Jones up there, you know, taking on the the next guys there. So I think I think that'd be something interesting. Um, okay, yeah, so I, I, I think that I'd be absolutely interested in that. All right, so the uh, the the other the other fight, the other main event was Valentina Shevchenko uh, at uh, at flyweight. She absolutely took uh, Shkegi into school. It was not close. The one thing that's that was really interesting about this fight is you look at Shkegian and you, and you're like, wow, like this woman is tall, she's long, you know, she's got like just this this like really long body to you know to to do to do some damage you know on the feet, and it was actually to her detriment. Shevchenko is so quick, <laughs> she's so precise that Shkegian, by the time Shkegian even thought about throwing something. And started her body in motion. Shevchenko already had the the counter ready and and unleashed. And so you know, so you don't you don't often see that where where length actually hurts you. But in this case, length really hurt her because she didn't have the quickness. And Shevchenko is just uh, uh, an expert at her craft and and really really you know took her apart. And, and it was a it was a very one sided beating. But from the perspective of was it a competitive fight? No. But what type of uh, you know, looking at Shevchenko, just just how how awesome she was. I think that was sort of worth the admission there. Yeah, you know the, these fighters don't come around very often, right? Where you you get somebody that dominates their division quite like Shevchenko is doing. You know, on paper, Takagian. If you were just looking at it on paper, somebody with that length and and, and her fighting style, you would say that that would give Shevchenko some trouble. But she looked like she didn't even belong. In, in the same you know atmosphere as Shevchenko, she is just far and away a, a better fighter. And you're going to have another problem with Shevchenko now. Like, where does she go now? <laughs> I, I, I don't know who else can challenge her at 125. I don't want to see her go at 135. I, I I'm not interested in that. We've seen that. Yeah. So what happens at 125? So um, you know, there's not a whole lot of depth there in that division. So I, I just don't know really where they go from here. Could they just keep setting her up with these opponents that she can destroy? And that's very entertaining. I, I do like to watch that stuff. Uh, but I, I, I just, you know, I, I guess I'm a sick person. I don't know. I, I was very entertained by this fight. I, I knew what was about to happen before it happened, and, and I loved seeing it happen. So um, I, I just don't know what else they do with her uh, from here on out. I, I mean, there, there's two women who could make some sense, but I don't, I don't know that... Uh, they would be much uh, of a challenger uh, in John Cal- Calderwood, who lo- lots of people remember from the Ultimate Fighter. She's uh, really easy to to like as a, as a person, um, just you know from what you see from her. And then there's you know Roxanne Mataferi, who just beat Macy Barber, and you know Roxanne is not going to beat Shevchenko, but she probably has the most name value. So I could see them doing something there as well. But you're right. There's there's really nobody, and you know if she wants to go back to to uh, you know to 35, I mean she, she probably beats you know most of the women there, and 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 maybe you know maybe if she gets uh, Amanda to come down to 125, which I think Amanda could probably do it, it, she would lose a lot of her size in doing so. But that may be to Shevchenko's advantage. But then again, why would Amanda do that unless unless they just you know offered her a lot of money to do so? Yeah, that would really be the only interesting fight. Would be the Nunes fight at 125. I don't think we need to see it at 135 again. 
But you're right. I, why Why else? Other than just throwing truckloads of cash at Amanda Nunes, the, why else would she go down to 125? There's no incentive there. She can continue to dominate at her weight class, too. I, I, there's nobody on the horizon that I think can, can challenge her at 135. So, um, you know, that's that's going to be the struggle with these two divisions. There's just not a whole lot of depth there, and they have two dominant uh, champions. So, uh, Justin Taffa beat Juan Adams in a very quick fight. People probably remember Juan Adams for losing to Greg Hardy. This fight is uh, was was should have not been on a UFC card. Uh, not no. not even in the in the prelims. It was really amateur hour. Um, Dan Ige and uh, uh, Merced Bektik. That was a really good fight. Ige wins uh, by split decision at 29-28. Uh, very entertaining. Both guys were uh, were quick. The uh, the counters were awesome. Uh, Bektik was just uh, he, he he had sort of figured out the the speed of Ige by by the second round, but uh, he lost the first round, and then uh, Ige also outpointed him in that third round. Um, there was a, there was more of a sense of urgency from Ige, I felt, uh, in that third round, and I think that helped him. And then you know we had uh, Derek Lewis and uh, and Latifi and uh, Latifi at light heavyweight. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, at heavyweight. Is just so short by comparison to some of those bigger, bigger guys. But you know, he's 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 definitely talented. Uh, but just at that at that level, um, he 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 his his strength at light heavyweight was the fact that he was really strong guy. Uh, but it was just hard for him to make weight. And at heavyweight, some of that strength is nullified. Though he did take uh, Lewis down a couple times. He just wasn't able to do anything on the ground. You know, Lewis is the sentimental crowd favorite. People were behind him. Everyone loves Derek Lewis anyways. And Lewis wins by unanimous decision. And that was uh, the, the main the main card there. By the way, I forgot to mention, um, so uh, the the uh, the bet online uh, fight of the night. Actually, we'll, we'll, we'll just we'll make it the card of the night, uh, whether or not you liked the UFC show or the uh, New Japan show better. Uh, but remember to use promo code blue wire for a 50 percent welcome bonus bet online dot ag. Uh, was there anything in that undercard or, or anything that you saw that you thought was uh, was interesting that you wanted to talk about before we move on? You know, I, I am always going to be fascinated by Derek Lewis. I, he's an interesting guy. I, I don't know where he goes from here. It, it, I kind of want to see him fight Greg Hardy because I think he would destroy Greg Hardy, and I think uh, everybody would love to see that. Um, and uh, Elir Latifi has no business being at the heavyweight. He kind of looks like a fire hydrant. Um, I would like to see him drop back to 205 if he can. But uh, that, that was really the only thing that I found interesting. All right, so um going to – talk about untuck it i don't know if you know about untuck it um but untuck it is is a is a company that that makes shirts uh for people who like to wear their shirt out and so a lot of times when you buy dress shirts the dress shirt is is at a certain length and then when you when you let it out you don't tuck it in it can be really long so untuck it makes shirts that look great untucked and specifically for the the length of the shirt it really fits your frame the shirts are are meant for this style of dress now i'm, I'm going to be in vegas a, a few times this year uh because of some wrestling cards and 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 my kid uh turns 21 so 
you know that this is going to be like the perfect kind of shirt you get your jeans and your nice shoes and and, and your and your button down or your button up however you want to call it um, but these shirts are, are made are made for, for that. So choose you can choose from styles like wrinkle free button downs, super soft splan, uh, flannels, uh, flannels, outerwear, and more. And with Untuck It, your shirts never look too baggy or too bulgy or too long or too big. And uh, they have a very easy to use website. Um, so whether you're shopping for a perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE, B-L-U-E, for 20% off at checkout. That's untuckit.com and promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E, for 20% off. All right, so let's talk about the New Japan show. I know you didn't watch the entire card, but you probably watched uh, the main matches there. This uh, The new beginning in, in Osaka was... Um, it was a pretty fun show. Uh, some of the news coming out of it is that they're coming back to Madison Square Garden. And uh, August 22nd, they'll be at MSG, which is an interesting weekend because I believe that is also the same weekend that SummerSlam is in Boston. So they'll ha- they'll be doing a, I think they're doing a takeover um, that same night as uh, uh, New Japan is in MSG. Did you you didn't by chance go to the last New Japan ROH show at our, at uh, at MSG? Did you? I did not know. Okay, so that was a pretty amazing show because the atmosphere was tremendous, obviously, but it was also a show in that when it was when you had to buy tickets, you were thinking there was a possibility that you would be able to see Kenny Omega against Kazuchika Okada. And so that was kind of like the, oh, you know, in, in a perfect world, this is the match that would be booked. Now, it didn't happen that way. It was actually Jay White and Kazuchika Okada in the main event, which was great in of itself. But because of the, you know, just the sort of the fantasy booking of that match, uh, partially, I think, uh, also because it was just, you know, New Japan at MSG, that thing sold out very quickly. And uh, if it's just a New Japan show... You know, let's say they rematch uh, Okada and and Naito or something like that. I don't know if it does the you know the the, the immediate sellout unless they have something else up their sleeve. Now, uh, Dave Meltzer reported today that it is going to be a Wrestle Kingdom style of show, so they're going to pull out all the big guns and. Um, yeah, but I, but I am interested. I, I, whenever those tickets go on sale, I think people, a lot of people are going to be checking that out to see how well they do because they have not been doing great on this uh, current uh, U.S. Um, you know, they, they did a few shows in the U.S. Not they did not sell very well. They didn't. They also didn't bring out super shows. So maybe maybe the super show idea will will help them uh, at MSG. Also, the G1 starts in September, uh, September 19th, and partially it is because of the Olympics, though uh, if they wanted to, I think it's also just a test to see, you know, if, if this is a, if, the, if this date works as well for them, because from what I understand, I forgot who told me, but somebody said that um, if they wanted to do it during the Olympics, they, they could, like they could make it work, but also it gives them an opportunity to see whether or not um, the fall dates, 
you know, work better or, or you know, maybe you, you, you can push back the G1, though in pushing back the G1, um, it does uh, limit what you can do as far as that one show in October they do before uh, before uh, Russell Kingdom. So I think I, I'm not sure what they're doing with that show, that normal October show, since the G1 will run through October. So uh, just a, a couple of uh, news bits coming out of this show. Um, so we'll talk about the matches in a little bit more detail, but uh, Naito beat Kenta in a very long match. There was lots of stalling. It was a little <laughs> slow, um, but it was still, you know, quality work. And at the end, uh, Hiromu uh, Takahashi comes out and uh, looks like they're going to have a match. Um, he said that, you know, Naito had promised him when he came back that, that he would get a match. So they're going to do a match. Uh, and also, uh, after the Moxley and Minoru Suzuki match, Zack Sabre Jr. attacked Moxley, so it looks like they're going to do something there. And then Sho and Yo um, won their match, kept their titles, and it looks like they're going to face their uh, mentor in Rocky Romero and Taguchi to establish themselves as uh, as top, as as the top team. So, pretty interesting uh, coming out of there as far as what is next uh, I didn't sense that uh, there was a, a sort of a next thing for Okada or uh, and it looks like um, Tanahashi and uh, Kota Ibushi will be next in line for a tag title opportunity uh, against the Bullet Club team. So overall, from what you saw of the New Japan, any quick any quick thoughts on on, on what you liked and didn't like? Uh, you know, what I didn't like was uh, the first 20 minutes of the uh, Naito and Kenta match. It was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of stalling. I, I know what they're trying to do with Kenta. They're trying to make him into a heel. They did the, they did the same thing with Jay White. Yeah. They're trying to anger the fans. And they, they, they want you to, like, to earn, you know, them to actually go in. Like, they want you to earn it, right? Like, hey, you, you need to deserve it. Uh, so I'm going to make you wait like 20 minutes and then we're really going to, to, to kick it on. So, uh, but when you're doing it in the middle of the night, it can be kind of difficult to, to follow along. I, I, I was up at like four 30 this morning watching that match and, and I started to get real bored. My, uh, and then my cousin texted me, he's like, Hey, what should I watch on, uh, the new Japan show? And I said, the last three matches were excellent, but Kento and Naito or Kento and Naito just fast forward about 20 minutes. And you that, you're good to go. uh, it was a great match. The, after the 20 minute mark, it was fantastic. But I, I got to say, the, the match of the night, and I, I had an argument with a friend earlier, uh, I, I thought far and away the match of the night was uh, Moxley and Suzuki. The, you know, those guys are so interesting and so fascinating. They had an old-school kind of 80s, 90s, like, you know, Bruiser Brody-style brawl. Uh, it was very hard-hitting. The facials were great. The storytelling was fantastic. I, I you know, and I'm just a big fan of both of those guys already. I... I, I Suzuki is one of my all-time favorite wrestlers, and so just to see them go at it, I I, I was just absolutely loving every second of that match. Um, so I, I thought that was the match of the night. I, I gave it the match of the night over uh, Dragon Lee and Hiromu Takahashi. Um, you know, I, I did want to see that match, and I really enjoyed that match. But I've also seen that a few times, and you know, even though it's been a while since we've seen it, the last time we saw it was whenever they were in San Francisco, right when the Takahashi got hurt. So oh, yeah. They did have that storyline. They did have that storyline going in, but um, I, I thought match of the night was absolutely a uh, Moxley and Suzuki. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think depending on what style you enjoy most probably had a lot to do with which match you liked better. I liked both of them a lot, and I didn't really compare them to say which one I liked or which one was the best match. Um, you know, the Moxley and Suzuki match was awesome in like this, like, this is pro wrestling, this is hard hitting pro wrestling uh, kind of way. And, and uh, you know, Moxley, I, I've been hard on Moxley in the past because I absolutely hated the Dean Ambrose character or what it actually became. And, you know, he has absolutely reinvented himself. He's his this character works. It works on AEW. It works here. Um, and, you know, the just the the idea that these guys were, you know, taking beatings and asking for more and slapping each other in the face and. And um, the only thing I didn't like is, you know, you don't need you don't need to hit each other in the head with a chair to show me how tough you are, like right that that stuff I don't necessarily like or just banging the the stuff against your own head. Now you know he's hit they're hitting it as hard as they they want to themselves. So it's not like it's unprotected or anything. But still, like I, I get it. Like I, I get the you're tough part but you don't need to tease concussions in order for me to enjoy the match um but you know in in, in that match it does end with uh with moxley hitting a death rider for the pin um and uh and, and then that led to to saber uh coming in and, and and choking him out but there's tons of tons of cool stuff in this match uh there was a lot of it was on the outside and i think uh I think Moxley put Suzuki through a table and he just like starts laughing. Um, yeah, the, there he, he did the Rampage Jackson powerbomb through the table. That's what it was. Um, yeah, Suzuki had him in. Yeah, he had him in the armbar and he Rampage Jackson into the table and then Suzuki started laughing. And this is where they started grabbing pieces of the table and hitting themselves in the head. Um, he, there was a there was a, a, a close uh, submission with the, with the rear naked choke that Suzuki had on him. Um, did uh, I don't Suzuki never hit the gotch right? He he attempted it a few times no. and he didn't get it. He, he attempted it a few times yep. and and then uh, and then Moxie finally um, uh, hit the uh, hit the hit 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 the gimmick chair shot. I'm I'm reading uh, F4W's uh, report here. Uh, there was a there was a death rider on a chair, but then the referee was knocked out, and then Suzuki came back and they did the striking uh, the, the the striking thing, and then finally um, he he hit the death rider for the pin. So match was really good. You should go. It, the The one that I'm telling my friends to go out, out of their way to see is that match, just because it was so different, and it, you know, especially when we were watching. Uh, AEW or something today, you see a lot of the, the flying stuff, but this was all strikes. This was all on the ground. This was all psychology. So really great stuff. And then the other match um, where Takahashi, he he won a very uh, back and forth long match. Um, he uh, Hiromu eventually wins with, I think it was three time bombs at some point um, to retain the title. Uh, the thing I did not like about the match is the announcing, and I know why they did it this way, but 
they did this on Wrestle Kingdom, which was every time Hiromu got into a spot where it looked like he might take some uh, punishment and maybe, you know, to the neck or whatever, they were screaming, oh, stop the match. You know, you, we, we don't want to see this. And I think it worked on Wrestle Kingdom because it was so fresh. But now in this second match, it was a little annoying to me because at no point did I feel like they were doing something so dangerous that, you know, they, that I was worried. Like I was I, I thought, you know, a lot of the stuff that they did was was great. Like like the Topa Suicida uh uh, when 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 uh, when he was sitting on the on the barricade there, like that was amazing. And look, like if you do that in in a, in um in, in a dangerous way, yeah, it could be dangerous. But the way that they did it was so perfect that I wasn't really worried there. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, the match was just really good. The guys are amazing. I think these guys will always, like you said, will always be tied together in some way. And you could always go back to this thing, and it's going to be great. Uh, Ryu Lee, or, or or the former Dragon Lee, um, you know he's he's re- he's he's really good, and and I think that this uh, opportunity with New Japan is going to be really good for him too, because you know he's he's kind of like a, a roaming guy as well. Like he's in ROH, and then he's still going to be doing stuff in, in Mexico. So he he's you know he he's doing things uh, his own way, and I, and I and I think him being able to wrestle in all of the uh, all of the different styles is just gonna he's he's going to be one of the best guys very very soon. He's, he's fantastic, but there was one moment in the match that really, really scared me. I don't know if you caught this, but it was when Takahashi did kind of a Death Valley driver maneuver into the turnbuckle, and then he let go of Dragon Lee, and, or Ryu Lee, sorry, and he let go of him, and then Lee lands right on top of his head, and it folds down in. And I, I rewinded it and paused it, and I was like, I, it looked like he was going to break his neck on that. So I would like them to clean that up a little bit, because we just got Takahashi back. We, we don't need to lose Lee now. Yeah, yeah. They're two of the best in the world. Well, there. You know? So that, that, that was the moment that I was really, truly scared, and it was not for Takahashi, it was for Lee. I mean, they did tons of Canadian destroyers and different kind of destroyers in this match um, as well, but... They, they, you know, they looked clean. They were, they were fast. They were tight. Um, and I, I, yeah, I did, I didn't, I didn't see that one that that you're mentioning. But, uh, but yeah, really, really good match. And then just, just going backwards a little bit. Um, um, we got, we had Jay White and Sonata. This didn't work fantastically for me. I like both guys a lot, uh, but I feel like I could have told you exactly how this match was going to end and you know what white style is is going to work in some cases a lot of times it's with you know guys the baby faces who the crowd just constantly wants to to get to a certain level but sonata is not at that level and he's always sort of come up short so i don't i don't really think it worked all that well in this match not to say that it wasn't good but it just it just didn't match up with the uh, the last three matches to me no, it, you know, and it's it's one of those things like you know, not every match has to be four stars and above, right? But it's it gets to a point where like I I really have to be in the right frame of mind to 
to watch a Jay White match. Um, and I, and I do like him. I, I, I am an old school wrestling fan. I like old school heel tactics, but it gets to be a little much with Jay White sometimes. I think they go really over the top with it. So, and I, this one I, I thought fell flat and, uh, no, nobody really took Sonata as a, a serious threat. Sonata's a guy that I could see, like, you know, people say that there are certain guys in WWE who just need to get out for a while and then maybe go back. I, I see that with Sonata in New Japan. I know he revitalized his career, but he's kind of flat right now. I, you know, maybe he takes a, maybe he goes to the states or goes somewhere else for six months, and comes back and gets rejuvenated a little bit. But uh, yeah, this this one was a little flat for me. Okada and Osprey beat Taichi and Zack Saber Jr. Okada hit the uh, Rainmaker to win that match. Osprey and Zack Saber did some great stuff, but it wasn't that long of a match. Um, and then we mentioned the tag team uh, Tanahashi. Ibushi, Juice Robson, and Finlay beat Tonga, Loa, Takahashi, uh, and Owens. And the story coming out of this match was the babyfaces won, but they also want title shots. So Tanahashi and Ibushi were like, we're next. Juice Robinson and David Finley were like, no, we're next. And so there's a little bit of, uh, you know, there was a little bit of strife on the babyface team. And I do wonder if they're going to have, uh, they're going to have a match between those two teams or they'll, they'll both just get shots at, at the titles at some point. And then I mentioned, uh, Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match. Shonyo beat Desperado and Kanemaru to retain the titles. And it looks like they're setting up something with Rocky and Taguchi. And then you had uh, the match uh, with all the old guys. Nakanishi, Kojima, Nagata, and Tenzan beat Hanare, Taguchi, uh, Makabe, and Honma. So there were, uh, unless... Unless I missed uh, something like in the pre-show or something, I didn't see any of the real young guys on, on this show. But uh, but yeah, it was fun fun show. It wasn't it wasn't uh, you know must see though. There were two matches that I would say go out of your way to watch it. Uh, both uh, the ones we talked about, the Moxley and um, Minoru, and then the uh, junior the junior heavyweight singles match both great both worthy of spending an hour and, and checking them out um anything else you you wanted to you, you wanted to bring up about this show before we get out of here no man i think we said it all like the mox I, again moxley and suzuki I, I think everybody should go out of the way to watch that one it's a i, I think it's gonna be a classic match and then the junior heavyweight title match was fantastic all right, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, and you know, I wanted to do something this weekend uh, as a shorter show, and you know, I think we got, yeah, we got out of here like in under fifty minutes. John and I can almost never get out uh, sooner than ninety. So good job, good job by us here. Um, so okay. yeah, so so check Mike out uh, again uh, uh, on his uh, on his Twitter at the Combat Republic. Uh, check out his website when he's publishing content. And uh, at some point, we'll have, we'll have to bring Mike back uh, again uh, to do this show. So for Mike, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out.